Welcome to the first episode of the Media Intelligence Podcast Explained, the first one after the FIBEP World Media Congress in Singapore. I'm Vladimir Petkov, CEO of Identrix and half of the hosts of this podcast. Together with me is, of course, Alicia Bors from Rupoint. Hi, hi, Alicia. Hi, how are you? How are you? How was the, the trip for you? Oh, I have a lot to talk about, but it's not the time. But if you can share a beer, I can tell you all about my US custom experience. But that's for a later time. And together with us, we have an exciting guest. Absolutely. And by the way, we can share a lot of insights of what happened in uh, Singapore. But one of the great things that happened to us is that many people approached us and said, okay, you're doing this. The podcast is great. And we first, we would like to say thank you for all this amazing fe uh, feedback. And um, one of these people was Resty. And Resty talked to us and he said, hey, guys, Maria has this great book, which is in a way dedicated to our, to our industry. Is it interesting for you to interview her in the podcast? And uh, we, with Alicia, we said, yes, of course. And that's why we are here with um, Laura Maria Gonzalez from uh, Global News. Thank you. Thank you, Maria, for agreeing to talk to us. How are you? What's the weather? The weather looks amazing. In, <laughs> uh, in yeah, it's summertime. <laughs> well, it's still spring, but it uh, feels like summer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Where are you right now? Where do we uh, catch you? I am in the garden and uh, close to the swimming pool. And after the podcast, I will I will swim a little bit we, we, because Please I, I stop. love Have swimming. Have mercy. Have mercy. Me and Alicia, we're in Europe and it's, I, I complained that it's like 10 degrees in Sofia and Alicia said one degree and I said, okay. <laughs> in Poland, way worse. Okay, we are together to discuss your book, not the weather in Europe or uh, in the Americas. Before going to the book and before starting this conversation, please do tell us about the company that you founded, the business. Share some of your experience with uh, for Fibet. Let me explain a little bit how it started and, and give some context. It was in the 90s. And Latin America, and especially my country, Argentina, opened up to the world and to the globalization process. And this opening began the process of creating trade agreements such as Mercosur. Uh, at that time, I was in charge of communications with the international media from the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, where I, I was working. Simultaneously, to keep all in context, the Internet was growing in popularity. And I was at a conference in Las Vegas that I heard Bill Gates explaining how the Internet would impact information. I said, this is for me. And I understood that information in the new digital scenario will be both an opportunity because of the changes taking place were breaking down the barriers like logistic and access to the content like, like format. And at the same time will be a problem because of those virus fell, they open the floodgates to a volume of information in possible for any individual to absorb or, or analyze. Okay, so I said, considering all this, I decided to create Global News Group. But let me explain a little bit. I was a young woman just recently divorced with three kids. 
mother of three, and with no money and no resources. But I had a vision, and I decided to do it in any way, in any possible way. So you may ask why the name Global News, because it is because it refers to accessing the world's information for Latin America and bringing that information from Latin America to the other regions. It is not to approach all the information in terms of being the global monitoring. It was to offer our information to other regions and to be the main source for, for this region and to, to offer international information to our region. Let me explain why. Because as I was working in the Foreign Affairs Office, I suffered a lot with one of the barriers, the logistic. Because, for example, just to explain, Financial Times to came here to my country, it took minimum 48 hours the newspaper, the physical newspapers, we receive it 48 or tw even 22, 72 hours later. So imagine how difficult it was for us. It was the analogic times, no? Not the digital, not even media digitalized. That was for me, I, I saw an opportunity there. And I started as a regional company even though I had no resources, because I created a correspondent system, a system of correspondence in every country. I knew a lot of people in every country because of, as a journalist, I was working in communications, international communication. So I knew a lot of people. So I offered to them to be correspondents in every country. So I started as a regional company, even though I had no offices. But well, then... It was a long trip, as I say. It was difficult because I was a woman. There were no women, no women in that stage, in the, in the digital changing world and in media, even in media. So it was difficult for me. So I said before, I'm very formal because I needed to be really formal as a woman. Let me tell you just short story. It was uh, the end of the 90s. My company was growing. I started opening offices and also buying new, new others to be stronger. And uh, it was a fund uh, from New York that called me and invited me to go there because they were trying to invest in companies like mine in the region. And I was the only woman. We were 10 people there uh, in New York and we need to do a pitch. My pitch, I thought it was good, but they do not choose me. They do not, I was not elected. But then they call me and they say, we want to talk with you, Laura. And I said, okay, just I'm ready for whatever you wanted. And they say, look, we wanted to say that your pitch was the best one. And so I asked, why do you, you don't choose me? And they say, because you are a woman. And I said, I love to be a woman, which is the problem. And they said, well, as a woman, you need to show us that you came to stay. And I understood the message. And maybe this today wouldn't be an issue, but it was, remember, it was more than 20 years ago. And when I came back, I said to myself, 
I will not ask for money. I was not asking. They called to me, but they said, this is not, I will try to, to develop my company by myself, not asking for money and try to grow with my own money, with my results, with my revenue. And it was like that. Okay. So it's actually turned for the better that you yeah. on your own. Yeah, well, that made me, th there is another side I have. I work on women leadership, you know, and that is why I start working on women leadership because I said, this is not fair. But it was the first time in my life I realized that because I belong to a family with, we are five kids. The, I am the only girl for for kids, for boys. And I never had a problem with that. Well, I realized it was a problem, especially in, in some industries. I think it's still a problem in some industries. I was on a meeting recently and it was a, a meeting with an IT company and there was 12 people in the room and I was the only woman there. So we are still have a lot to do, but I think what you've already done is very admirable and, and thank you for that. And also... Uh, you were FIBA president for 2018, right? 2021. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, but before this, let me explain something. After all these years, my company grew to be, to become the biggest in, in the region. We, we are, we have a system of offices, own offices, companies in 10 countries and representatives in all the rest of the region. So we are the biggest and the, the unique that is in all these countries. But some years ago, I decided to step down on the day by day on the managing and is Carlos Diaz, who is leading the company today. I am happy with that. I'm happy because he's good. The team is really good. And I'm still there owning the company. <laughs> but I am happy because uh, sometimes you need to understand that um, there is uh, time for other opportunities. Because I think in some way, my vision, I still have the vision, but they have more capabilities to the new challenges than I have. So this is the second time for our company to grow in the new era of uh, artificial intelligence or new technologies. And I understand it is for younger people than for me. That's it. You said, okay, FIBA presidency. I was focused on three levels in my work. One I am always obsessed with is governance so that the operation is transparent and in accordance to the rules. At the same time, I was seeking to give greater dynamics to the board. So I create portfolios with vice presidents mm -hmm. to have a more active and focused board. And finally, analyzing, I start analyzing the environment to connect with the world through the media intelligence business ecosystem that must allow us not only to understand where the risk for our industry are, but also where we have relationship gaps that we must address, or even where we can discover new agreements or members. And FIBAP is still working on that, developing the ecosystem. Yeah, the idea is uh, this is something dynamic. This is something that is changing all the time. The idea is to just the diagnosis, just to think in it, to analyze it, let you to have a, 
a different vision on the industry. So this is a tool that I created for the industry to help us to have a different approach in a world that is exponentially changing all the time, continuously. Speaking of change, you also, your presidency was during the pandemic. So that was gigantic change for everyone on the, in the world. But for the FIPEP Association, it also was a big change because we were used to like meeting a couple times a year on site and, you know, having all this time when we could network and all that. So how did uh, you approach this challenge? How to keep people connected and engaged during pandemic? Well, it was a real challenge, not only for free, but also for me, because I am very physical person. You know, <laughs> we Latin okay. people is, uh, is well known as, uh, you know, we are, we hug people, we want to be pers- in person. But we face this challenge with digital tools and mem- members reacted really positively. And even with digital networking, we did digital networking meetings and two annual congresses in digital format. So I'm happy with with the process, even though it was difficult for all of us. But at the same time, I think that we as an industry that work with digital in the digital world, we, we really, really act positively with this um, situation. I spoke with some people before our call that remembered your presidency because I came to FIPEP after you already left, not the organization, but the uh, the presidency and Thomas became the new president. So I haven't had a chance to. So I was like, okay, I will just ask people who remember and what was their feeling about it. They say that you brought a new, like this very highly driven energy that, you know, but of course you uh, are also very, you know, spontaneous and which probably comes with the fact that you're Argentinian. And there was a great female energy all around and people were very engaged and they have a very much respect for you and for your work, of course, on the media ecosystem and the fact that you created the subcommissions and, you know, you can see that the, the work is actually being done on FIBEP. So, yeah, I think you, you did a great job and everyone could, could tell you that. Thank you. But we met today because actually you wrote a book. So maybe let's just jump to the book. I, I would like you to know that I read, read it. I also have, you know, all these bookmarks here. So that's a proof <laughs> that I did. <laughs> and I actually did. A hundred markers? No, not hundred, but there are some. Uh, like yes, I marked some. I marked some things that might be useful for the podcast. But I also marked some things that I would like to study further. Yeah. So this book is called "Our Digital Challenge: Informing, Thinking, and Free Deciding in the Cyber Era." This is the English translation because, from what I know, it was written in Spanish, right? And yes, so tell us more about this book. So what's the idea behind it? Well, I have experienced firsthand the profound transformation of the world of information. As I told you, when I started, it was the just when it was growing the popularity of Internet, of the Internet. And one of the biggest concerns is that we consume information without quality and safety controls. If we consider that the information we consume shapes our beliefs, the consequences that we are facing everywhere are impacting the democratic processes in our society, such as radicalization, echo chambers, intolerance, hate speech, new and growing conspiracy theories, violence, and manipulation of beliefs and emotional reaction to digital stimuli. 
So I wrote this book after reading more than 100 books related with this issue. And all these books were mostly academic and not for everybody. But I think we all need to have this knowledge and develop what is today called digital and information literacy. Does not mean how to use technically the digital tools. It means how to develop the abilities we need to be in control of our behavior and the digital tools and not the contrary. So regarding the the information literacy, I work in how to control our information menus. And all my experience was really interesting to match with all these. So the book is for everybody. It's very simple, written easily, easily reading, not complicated, not academic. And what I want is to help people to be in control of the information they consume and to understand the new rules that are changing all the time, the new rules in the digital life and the game we are playing. I can confirm that it's a very easy read. I, I took it to, with me on a plane and, and I think I finished like an hour and a half. <laughs> so it was, uh, yeah, so it was a good read. It's very nice. I that's That's a book that I think I would like to give, for example, to someone who is not that informed because we are from the media intelligence world, so we kind of know how the things work. But there are, of course, some things that were interesting for me also. But for example, someone like my parents who are maybe not thinking that much or why they are receiving certain information when they are scrolling through Facebooks, for example. I really like also that you included the whole chapter about biases because I was a psychology student, so biases are very... I have a whole exam on biases, so I'm very familiar with the topic, but I don't don't think that's something that everyone knows and that just the fact to being to be able to recognize why are you perceiving an information in a certain way it's a good thing to you know then interpret it okay why i'm receiving it how does it affect me Another thing that I really, really like was the, the menu that you're talking about, that you can construct your own information menu. And there is even instruction how to do it. Okay, so you have to decide which type of information would you like to have. Do you want the information that confronts your worldview or would you only like to focus on the one that only confirms your worldview? And that's something that I personally struggle with because, as you said in the book, it's much easier to only listen to people who agree with us. But I have to do the actual work to make sure that I also listen and read articles from people that I don't agree with. And even if they make me angry and uh, agitated, I still do the effort to to make sure that I don't stay in the bubble and I'm uh, well informed. So yeah, there you also cover the topic of the metaverse and the topic of generative AI. It's very, very relevant. And I think everyone who is interested in media intelligence of even, you know, I think everyone consumes media nowadays. So as, as, as you said, this is a book for everyone, but especially for people who would like to systematize their knowledge about it or would like to share it with someone who is not as educated in the topic. Yeah. That's my review yeah, of the book. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Look, I think that um, it is for everybody, as you said, but also I consider there are some opportunities hiding in the book for our industry that we need to, to, to find the way to... There is a challenge for us in some way. There are different levels, but uh, I think I consider the main issue is critical thinking. 
is how we stand with and grow and develop our critical thinking and take care on this all the time. Because if not, we will be manipulated and our future will be not our. Our decisions will mm-hmm. be not ours, will be just manipulated by the digital stimuli. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also think, because we have this topic that's coming back, keeps coming back when we record the podcast, that we as a media intelligence organization, we have this obligation to educate our clients, educate uh, media consumers. And this is actually a great answer to that need, that this is something that we can, okay, we do have a manual, which is an easily written, is an easy read. It's not such a big of a book. It's, I think it's more than 100 pages, but yeah, it's like 200 pages. <laughs> but yeah, but this, it's very uh, easily written. It's very easy to understand. It's also, I really like how it's structured. So it, you are coming from the beginning of information and how it's, how, for example, misinformation started and how it's uh, affecting us now. So I think we should, we should redistribute it through, through our FIBA members and make sure that uh, they have all have access to it and you know recommend it to our clients and any other media users that would like to keep informed well this is also a way to let people understand a little bit about what we do because you know people normally says what do you do no one understand only people that is in the in the in the industry or in communication uh in the communication side but citizens normal citizens they say what? What do you do? <laughs> who buy that? Who, who is your buyer? <laughs> so yeah. it's a way to to involve them also in a problematic and in, in a challenge and in something that is also for them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Vlado, is there something that you would like to ask from your side? No, I think it was a great interview. I learned a lot of things and uh, uh, thank you for your time. Thank you so much, uh, Laura, for meeting with us today. Okay. And I hope you will. You know, I, I can wait for another one of your books. Absolutely. <laughs> Do contact us when you wrote the, the next book. <laughs> okay. There's a lot well, of going on. Yeah. You know what? There is a university who called me and I am preparing the first certificate in information literacy that will start next April. For the beginning, we'll be in Spanish, but maybe we are negotiating to do it also in the States in English and will be completely virtual. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, that's something yeah. that we really, really need because this is also, again, uh, the question that you ask in your book, are you media literate? And people say yes, or like, are you digitally literate? And people say yes, but they don't really understand what that question implies. And they think, okay, I can use Zoom, I can answer emails, I can use Google, and that's it. But they don't really think, okay, what is the content that I'm seeing and why am I seeing it? Yeah, and what's going on with your behavior? Uh, Keep us updated on that. I think it will be very interesting. I will definitely do. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for recording with us. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.